0: Uh, the first few chapters of the book of Romans, uh, you know, Paul, after he introduces the book, he really just begins to spell out man's brokenness. And so, you know, maybe, maybe you're here for the first time this morning, or maybe you haven't been in a few weeks, or maybe before we started the book of Romans, uh, if you've missed out. Uh, let me just preface this morning's message just like I prefaced the other messages. Uh, man, uh, you know, the gospel is good news. But the good news comes on the tail end of the bad news. The bad news is that we're sinners in need of a Savior, right? And, and, so, and, so, and so the gospel is that, and, and Paul is making the case for the gospel and our need for salvation. And so as we get into Romans chapter 1 today, verses 24 to 32, uh, we, we're kind of still in the, 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 the needful part of our understanding of man's nature before God. You know, two weeks ago, uh, we looked at verses 18 to 23, <laughs> And we saw in verse 18 that God's wrath is, re- is going to be revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. Uh, we saw this two weeks ago. And, and the reason that God reveals his wrath against humanity and will reveal it against humanity is because God has revealed himself. He, he, he has made known through knowledge who he is. And, and we got that from Romans 1 and verse 19. If you've got a Bible, you can just look real quick. It says, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God had showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. And, and, and the point that Paul is making is that God has revealed himself generally, we call it general revelation, God has revealed himself generally to all of humanity. He's done that through creation. Two weeks ago, we kind of illustrated this point, and we said that God himself is really the pattern of all creation. Everything in this universe breaks down into a series or a system of threes. Man, for instance, is, is a triune being. Man has a body, man has a soul, man has a spirit our environment is broken down into threes land sea and air there are three kingdoms on this planet planet animal pl- kingdom plant kingdom mineral kingdom even even measurement or dimensions are broken down into threes you have length width and height and without one of those dimensions an object would not exist it would cease to exist it, it breaks down into threes and so i don't want to rehash all that the point is God's fingerprint is on creation. He's revealed himself generally to all people in all nations. Psalm 19 says that the heavens declare the glory of God, the earth showeth its handiwork, okay, and and day unto day uttereth speech and all the things that we talked about. God's wrath is revealed because man knows something about God, that at least there is a God, there's a creator. But when he rejects that knowledge, uh, well, he puts himself in a position against God. And thirdly, what we saw last two weeks ago was that man's heart really is revealed in his his decision of what to do with that truth that he has of God. Uh, Man's heart is wicked. We know that. Uh, Romans 1 and verse 21, the Bible says, Because that when they knew God, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful, but they became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened, and they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image likened to corruptible man. And we began to see kind of the bad news part of the gospel that, man, as humans, as sinful man, when we have revelation of God or knowledge of God, many times we're indifferent toward God. We don't glorify God as God. The Bible also says that we have an attitude of ingratitude. Neither were they thankful. And the Bible goes on to say that we get vain in our imaginations. In other words, our foolish heart runs rampant with darkness. Uh, it even says that we're ignorant. We profess ourselves to be wise, but we become fools because, because we're re- rejecting the very knowledge of God that's available. And so all of that that we studied two weeks ago leads us into this morning's message. And, you know, I sent an email out to our church family yesterday saying that this morning is, is kind of mature in content. Uh, It is an adult message, and so I know we have teenagers in here, and I think most of the parents uh, got the email and understood uh, some of the things we'll be talking about. I will be certainly uh, as proper as I can be in my speech, Um, but there there are some things that we have to talk about because really what we're we're talking about this morning is kind of the end of that road. In other words, when we have a knowledge of God and we reject God, when, when man... Heart is completely against God. There begins this slippery slope of things that started with indifference and ingratitude and imagination and ignorance and image worship, but it ends in a much worse state. And so, the title of the message this morning is called When God Gives Up and Gives You Over. And man, that's a hard message, to, that's a hard title. Uh, I mean, most of us would, would think, man, God will never give up on us, right? God, God's always in our corner. God's always got our side. Even when we're far from God and reject God, God's still pulling for us. Well, I just want you to understand biblically that God does at some point give up and God sometimes gives us over to some things when we continually reject who he is. And so, and so again, man, this morning is not a Hey, I'm going to preach hard on this particular topic or this particular thing. We started a series in Romans six weeks ago. We teach the Bible front to back at this church, and we don't skip passages that are hard. And, and if you were to ask me, man, uh, what are you preaching on this week, or what do you want to preach on? It wouldn't be this. Can I just tell you? Uh, but we have to preach it because God's given us His word. And so let's learn together. Let's have an open heart and an open mind, because if we don't, we've already decided to reject God's word. And uh, and I think God has some things for us today. All right, so let's pray and, and we'll get started. Father, we need you. I need you. I, I know your Word is is absolutely perfect, uh, God. It is wonderful. There there are wonderful truths in it, but there's also there's also admonitions. There's warnings. There's there's correction. There's reproof. Uh, you know, sometimes we stand in need of that. And, and Lord, today, you know, this may be not anything that specifically applies to us, but may culturally apply. And if that's the case, Lord, help us to receive it as that. But also, we don't want to miss the thing that you want to do in our heart. And so, Lord, if you would have a couple of truths that would penetrate into our heart today right where we are, uh, we, want to, we want to go ahead and respond rightly and say, yes, Lord, whatever it is, uh, give us a heart and a mind to respond rightly to you. Uh, let our heart be right with you today uh, based on the teaching of your word. God, give us grace and liberty and mercy as we, as we study this together. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want you to pick it up in verse 24, and we're going to read the passage all the way through, and then we'll go back and make a few points and we'll be done, all right? Verse 24, Romans chapter 1 and verse 24. The Bible says, wherefore, and when you see the word wherefore or you see the word therefore, you always back up because that is a word that connects this passage To what has already been taught. And and so the wherefore is is verses 18 to 23 that we studied two weeks ago. Wherefore, because God's wrath is going to be revealed and God's knowledge has been revealed, and because man has a heart that, that resists God, wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever and ever. Amen. That's too funny. <laughs> There's a funny that just happened that some of you already know what happened, and, and that's just hilarious. You know, when I print my notes, uh, this, this printer is demon-possessed in our church office. So I printed my Sunday school notes this morning, and this is, this is like the third time this has happened. I printed my notes this morning, and uh, my Sunday school lesson printed. I printed my sermon notes, and, and if the devil doesn't want you to hear this message, I don't know what. <laughs> let's, uh, let's continue reading, shall we? <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. Look at verse 23. And changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man, to birds and to four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore also God gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature, and likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind, to do things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Wow. So so this morning, we're really going to see the depravity of man. We're going to see when God literally gives up, when God gives up on you and he gives you over to yourself. And, and there's a lot in this, man. Listen, there's, there's so many things. Honestly, we, we probably need to take three weeks in this passage. We don't have three weeks. We don't have three weeks to, to spend here. But I will tell you this, that as you study this passage, there are three different times that God uses the phrase, God gave them up or God gave them over. Three different times. And so we're going we're gonna, to, you know, it's kind of it's interesting that God is a God of threes. He's uh, He's a trinity. God has made man a trinity with a body, soul, and spirit. God is three. The structure of the universe is three. When man rejects the knowledge that God has given him, God gives him up in three different ways. And and that's the point. Uh, And and we'll see a pattern as we work through this thing. And and again, man, this morning, we're just taking the Bible as it stands. We don't have an agenda uh, because the truth is we're all broken. This morning, number one, we're going to see number one is this, that, that God gives these people up to uncleanness. God gives them up to uncleanness. When, when we respond wrongly to God, well, God will respond uh, like God toward us. When we reject God, God will reject us. If you repent toward God, God will repent toward you. God gave these people up, the Bible says, to uncleanness, and it gives us a reason why. The cause or the reason why is found in the passage. The Bible says in verse 25 that they changed the truth of God into a lie. And so the first reason that God gives people up to uncleanness is because man changes the truth of God into a lie. Now, you've got to ask the question, what is God's truth, right? What, what is the truth that has been changed? Well, John 17, 17 says this, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. God's word is truth. And so God generally reveals himself through creation, but then God specifically reveals himself through his word. That's called specific revelation. And God has proven this over and over again. As a matter of fact, if we were to go back to Genesis chapter 2, the story of Adam and Eve, when God created man in the garden, or created man and put him in the garden, when God spoke to Adam, he revealed himself very specifically. He also revealed himself generally because Adam was in the creation that God made. Do you you see that? But he also gave him specific instruction. Genesis 2 and verse 16, the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely what? That is specific revelation to Adam. Would you agree? Is that pretty clear? So listen you know the story. I mean, the devil comes along in Genesis chapter 3, the serpent. The Bible says he was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. He comes to the woman and he says, yea, hath God said ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? He begins to question God's word, the truth of God. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God had said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Now, did God say anything about touching it? Uh, that may have been a little added. Uh, when Adam taught his wife what God said, maybe he just, for safety's sake, said, Look, don't eat of that tree, don't even touch it. Okay, let's just, just you know how, you, just don't even touch it. Let's just. Okay, well, God didn't say that. So, so she was already off a little bit on what God said, but listen to this. The devil said unto the woman, the serpent said unto the woman, verse 4, ye shall not surely die. Now, what did God say? In the day you eat of it, you're going you're to die. And the serpent said, ye shall not die. He changed the truth of God into a into a lie. And listen, the woman ate of the fruit. You know the story. They sinned against God. She gave it to Adam. He ate of the fruit. They sinned against God. They lost fellowship with God. They died spiritually in that day, in that moment. John chapter 8 tells us that the devil is a liar. And, and actually, he is a murderer, and he's also a liar. The Bible says in, in ch- chapter 8, and verse 44, that when he, the devil, speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. And so listen, when man, you say, Jay, we're talking about the devil changing God's words. Yes, there is a satanic influence. (laughs) But when man doesn't have a humble heart before God and he hears God's specific word and he does not like it, he changes it. If he doesn't humble himself before God and receive God as the Word of God, he changes God's Word. Well, that's not really what that means. I know that's what it says, but that's not what it means. Or here's one better. Uh, I really don't like what what that passage says in the Bible, so let's just make a new version of the Bible and let's take it out. And we don't have time this morning to get into that conversation. But friends, listen, Uh, man that is not humble before God will always seek to change God's word. He he will seek to change, and, and the influence is there, man. The devil is the influencer. But man that does not receive God as who God is will rebel against God and change his word. And by the way, God has some pretty strict warning about changing his word. You don't mess with God's word. You receive it. You humble yourself. You obey it. You submit to it you don't change it. Well, the second reason that God gives man up to uncleanness is because he changes God's truth into a lie. And secondly, he worships the creature more than the creator. Now, now, notice the passage does not say that, the, that, the, that man just worships the creature alone. It does say that man worships the creature more than the creator. And, and so let, this, this man may be religious, he may, quote unquote, be a, be a person that worships God. He has a revelation of God. Maybe he's changed the revelation of God, but he doesn't have the right priority of worship. You see, Isaiah chapter 40 tells us in verse 28 Who hath known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting, the, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. Friends, there's only one creator, and he is God. And we are not. <laughs> and God says <laughs> that, that worship is reserved to him and alone first. Mark chapter 12 and verse, verses 29 to 31. And many of you know this passage. Jesus answered and said unto him, the first of all the commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is, namely, this: that thou shalt love thy neighbor, as thyself. And that is the, it's the second. You can't get those backwards. You, you can't reverse those. If you get those, if you get the priority of worship backwards, and, and listen, you're not worshiping the creature, but but in Reve- Romans chapter one, they're worshiping the creature. But my point is the priority of worship. Look, if you worship man, if you serve man, if you put man above God. Well, you're in trouble. You you can't love the creature with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength first, and then choose to love God second. That's backwards, that's out of order. And so, and so God says, these people, they would even maybe say that there is a creator. But the priority of worship is the creature. It's man. Man is good, man is inherently good. Let's fix man, let's let's do all things for man, let's let's fix humanity, let's do what's good. For the common man, and that's some dangerous language because it sounds really good, but it leaves out God. (laughs) You worship God first; the Creator is able to handle the creation. And so, what is the result of this? Listen, why did when God gave them up to uncleanness because they changed the truth of God into a lie and they worship the creature more than the Creator? What is the result? Well, well, the result is. God gives up, number one, he gives up their body. He gives up their body. They dishonor their bodies. And so listen, when you change God's word into a lie and you worship the creature more than the creator, God gives mankind over to uncleanness. Man begins to dishonor his body. That word dishonor is always associated with shame. It's always associated with reproach, uncleanness. Man, it, uncleanness is an issue of the heart, and, and there's some verses I want to just read very quickly that aren't on the screen, but Matthew 23 and verse 27 says this, and he's talking about the Pharisees that are hypocrites. Outwardly, the Bible says that these guys were beautiful, man, they, they, were, they, were, they were clothed the right way, they had the right length beard, I mean, listen, all those things, right? They appeared beautiful outwardly. But the Bible says that within they were full of dead men's bones, and they were full of all uncleanness. Uncleanness comes from within a man's heart. When you reject God's truth, you're only left to what you, your heart thinks about your body, and, and it will dishonor God. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, this thing of uncleanness is also associated with fornication and lasciviousness, in other words, unbridled lust. In Ephesians 5, again, uncleanness is associated with fornication and covetousness, which is idolatry. And so all of a sudden, when God gives you over, man, when God gives you up to uncleanness, man begins to defile his body. You say, well, it's my body anyways. I mean, isn't that what they said in the news this week? It's my body, my choice. Right? I mean, that's, that's what's raging right now. It's my body, my choice. I can choose what's in it and what's not in it. Well, that's a whole different discussion, and I'm not trying to get a rise out of you. I am just trying to say that that is generally an argument that's that's trying to be made right now. I want you to understand from the Bible that God has a purpose for your body. And so in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, uh, the Bible says, Paul says, the Bible says, by the apostle Paul, which are the words of God, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service uncleanness is not holy and acceptable before God it is unreasonable and it's unreasonable because God has turned over you to uncleanness because of rejection of his truth because of changing God's word into a lie because of worshiping the creature You know. You know, one thing that would just stop this conversation that we're having in our culture right now over, you know, my body, my right, my choice is to realize that there is a creator of this created body. And all of a sudden, that conversation changes. Because if there is a creator that created you as a creature, well, he's God and you're not. So don't be given to uncleanness and make poor decisions well, the reason you are is because you reject the truth of God, and you reject uh, the creator creator, and serve the creature more than creator. You know, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 20 that you're bought with a price, and he's talking to saved people here, but I want you to know that saved people can be given over to uncleanness. You can be saved and reject God's truth, and God will give you over to uncleanness where you defile your body. God says that we are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Which are whose? They're gods. When you think that you own it, you've eliminated the creator. And you've put yourself in the place of God. God says that's jacked up backwards thinking. That that's that's wrong thinking, that's rebellious thinking, that's taking the knowledge of God and rejecting it over and over and over again to which God says I give up I can't I can't do anything with you other than let you have yourself and again man this is a warning for all of us because even saved people can fall into that you can be saved and even forget you're saved and, and that's a whole different conversation we've talked about that on Wednesday night so so look go, go back to the passage Romans chapter 1 so God gave them up to uncleanness and that affected their body Secondly, God gives them up to vile affection. And again, man, this is, this is tough. Look at verse 26. For this cause, God gave them, unto, gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error, which was meat. And so the second thing that we see that that when God gives up and gives you over is that God gives you up to vile affections. He gave these people that rejected his knowledge up to vile affections. And the reason that he did that was, was another, there's a cause, there's always a cause and effect with God. The cause of this is because man changed nature. And so in your blank, the blank is the cause, is that man changes, or he changed, nature. In other words, God has a standard, a natural purpose, and a natural usage for a man's body, and God has a natural purpose and a standard for a woman's body. God does say that a man's body and a woman's body have a natural purpose. And he gives us that all the way back in Genesis chapter 1. And so when God created man, and he created Eve, and, and you get the summary in chapter one, and then in chapter two, you get kind of the detailed version of the summary. Uh, and, and listen, I know, again, this is a battle that our culture is facing because, because we're in this battle of, of gender identity and gender neutrality and, 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 and gender, man, here's how I identify. I know this is how I'm made, but this is how I identify. There's this, just so much confusion right now about what am I, who am I, uh, and what do I identify as, and yet there is a creator that purposefully made the creature with a purpose, and so Genesis 1 and verse 26, we're just going to go with what the Bible says. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him Here it is: male and female created them, and so there there are the two genders according to the word of God. And God blessed them, and God said unto them: Here it is: be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And so God made man and woman with the capacity to reproduce. God made man and a woman with the the capacity and the purpose a procreation and by the way it is in the context of marriage that that union is to happen you, you can read the rest of genesis chapter 2 and chapter 3 and it's all in there we're not talking about marriage this morning we can because anything outside of marriage is sinful in god's eyes it's fornication it's adultery if you step out of your marriage but god's design for the man and the woman is for procreation and for reproduction it is the result of a union of marriage. And by the way, our marriages are a picture of Christ and the church. The book of Ephesians tell us, tells us that, that, that really as, as the husband, I am to picture Christ in my marriage, as my wife is to picture the church in our marriage, we're to be a picture to the world, to saved and lost people, a picture of Christ in his church. You destroy that picture if you're given over to vile affection. And so, and so they changed nature. They, they changed the natural use of a man and natural use of a woman. They changed what God had intended naturally because, again, nature has God's stamp on it. It has his fingerprint on it. And so the result is God gives up their soul. In other words, they burn in vile affection. Because the soul is the seat of the affection. It's the seat of the emotions. And and when you study this word vile through the scriptures, man, it's never positive. It's always negative. And so I just want you to know when God says he gives them up to vile affections, it's like really bad. That's my modern 21st century explanation of vile. You got bad, really bad. It's way down there. It's it's vile affection because because man in his rebellion against God and the knowledge of God tries to change nature. We'll even try to change it so much that we'll say, well, this is the way God made me, sure. or this is the way I feel. Or, you can't deny how I feel. I can I I, I can because the Bible says these things. Uh, you know there is a Creator, there is a God, and 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 your affections may not be properly purposed depending on how you've responded to God's word, your lust and affections could be wrong. And, and, and so when you study this thing of vile, man, you, you go back to like passages like in Daniel 11, uh, where it talks about a vile person that's going to stand up. He's not going to give honor to the kingdom. He's going to come in peace, peaceably, and he's going to attain a kingdom by flatteries. Uh, by the way, that's a prophecy concerning the Antichrist. And the Bible calls him vile. Isaiah 32 and verse 6, the Bible says, for the vile person will speak villainy, and his heart will work iniquity to practice hypocrisy and to utter error against the Lord, to make empty the soul of the hungry, and he will cause the drink of the thirsty to fail. And, and so I just want to make the connection that just like changing God's word is satanic in nature, having vile affection is satanic in nature. It, it, it's associated with this with this antichrist, it is against nature, and, and I'm, I'm carefully going to say some things. Listen, you know, when people get to this point of their rejection of God's truth, and they choose to be given over to vile affection, and God gives them over <laughs> because of their rebellion against God's word, it is unnatural. And so I'm just going to say it. Look, homosexuality is Unnatural. It is not natural. It is against nature. As a matter of fact, Romans chapter, and again, I, I'm, before you think that I love to preach against homosexuality, listen, I'm a sinner. And so any of my sin makes me just as guilty as any of your sin. And there's power in the blood of Jesus. And I'm thankful for that. But this is, this is a thing that's unnatural. It's against nature. The Bible says it's unseemly. In other words, it's unbecoming, it's, it's indecent. The Bible also says it is an error. It's an error. It's an error. You know, Psalm 12 and verse 8 says this, the wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. You know, and our culture is becoming one that exalts that. When vileness, vile affection is exalted, the Bible says the wicked walks on every side. You know, when you study the life of Lot, for instance, you know Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom. uh, When he and Abraham in the Old Testament had to split ways, Uh, then he ends up in Sodom, working at the gate. You know, got a government position in Sodom, uh, and you know the story: the the angels had to come and deliver him out of that. The Bible says in Second Peter chapter two, verses six to eight, that those cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, man, they were just wicked. They were full of Sodomites. They were filled with this behavior of Rebellion against God's word and vile affection and lusts. The Bible says concerning Lot and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that should after live ungodly. And delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. In other words, he was vexed with the filthy lifestyle of the wicked. For that righteous man, and man, listen, that's a stretch, but God said it, so we have to believe it. Lot being a righteous man, living in Sodom and Gomorrah, exposing his family to those things, and not having enough intestinal fortitude to get out. And yet God still called him righteous. Okay, God said it, so I can't fight against it. But the Bible says that that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Uh, You know, know, before you get on your high horse and think, man, thank God I'm not that, Well, your other things that that vex people's soul, don't worry. Uh, We'll get to that. I I, I want you to know that even amongst Christianity, this is a hot topic because people want to have the conversation, you know, can you be homosexual and be a Christian? Well, let me just say this, the gospel fits any of us. Uh, It doesn't matter your sin, the the blood of Christ is able to forgive us of our sin. I will say this, you cannot be a homosexual and be right in a relationship with God. You will not have a right fellowship with him. We're learning that on Wednesday night as we're going through 1 John. By the way, you won't have a right relationship as a drunkard, as a pornographer, viewer, as a fornicator, as an idolater. You won't have a right relationship with God with those things either. Right. And so, and so again, I'm not making excuses. I, I, I'm trying to even the playing field for all of us. God, this is a result of rejecting God's truth. And ultimately, God just gives them over to vile affection. You say, well, they were, maybe they were born that way. No, I don't, I don't think they were born that way because God doesn't give... God doesn't give grounds for that. Now, they may have been in an environment that that nurtured them toward that, but they have a nature that's called to respond to the truth of God's word. So whether it's nurture or nature, man still has a choice to respond to the knowledge that God has given him. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 24, this fits all of us right here. They that are Christ's, listen to this, have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lusts. You know what that means? And I'm going to show it to you at the end of this sermon, man. There were some people in Corinth that walked out of out of this lifestyle and into the gospel. And because of who they were in Christ, they were able to put aside and discredit the way that they used to think about themselves, about their sexuality, about their gender. They were able to crucify all that at the foot of the cross and understand what God says about them. And that's the whole point for any of us. And so, and so listen, whatever your affections are, maybe your vile affections are different than that, or your lusts are, if you are in Christ, you can crucify the flesh and the affections and the lusts thereof. God's called us to do that. Take it to the cross. Well, you don't know how I feel. I, man, if you know me, you know that that statement really just goes to like level 10 on my <laughs> I'm thankful you have feelings. You know, some people need to have them, I guess. But, but it's an inside joke for some of us. Man, I really am not a jerk all the time. It's just most of the time. I'm thankful you have feelings. And I'm thankful that people, people do have feelings. I do have feelings, man. You, you guys know that. I, I hide it really well. That's my wife laughing at that statement. I do have feelings. But man, our feelings, our affections, our lusts, man, we have to take them to the cross. We have to take them to the authority of God's word. We have to let the creator dictate the creation. That includes us. That includes us. And so God gave them over to uncleanness. They, they dishonored their bodies. God gave them over to vile affections. And really, that's a picture of their soul being uh, exposed to all kind of vanity and vileness. And then thirdly, God gives them over to a reprobate mind. He gives them over to a reprobate mind. Verse 28. And and so here it is, and this is the end result, man, of a life of rebelling and rejecting God and his word and his authority and his general revelation and his specific revelation. And it doesn't always play out like this, but many times it does play out like this. Verse 28 says, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. And, And then it lists all these different things, and we'll get to that list in just a second. But here's the cause Why did God give them over to a reprobate mind? Because they changed their mind about the knowledge of God. They they did not want to retain the knowledge of God in their mind. In other words, God, get your word, get your your teaching, get your revelation out of my head. I don't want it there. And God says, okay. And listen, listen. A mind without God's mind is a reprobate mind. It's a reprobate mind. They did not like to retain God in their knowledge. And so, literally, the result of this is that God gives them over in their spirit. In other words, their mind becomes apostate, it becomes anti theist, anti religious, it, it, it becomes a hater of God, you know, it, it becomes reprobate. In, in other words, you're. It's almost like you're on probation again, like you've been guilty and you've been charged and you're on probation And then you break your probation and now you're on probation again. I mean, that's what it is It's a reprobation and as you read that list of reprobation that follows that this is what a reprobate mind looks like being filled with all unrighteousness and before you Read this list. Please understand. This could be you and it can be me because the minute that we don't like to retain God's word in our knowledge we are open to these things. We are open to having a reprobate mind. So being filled with all unrighteousness, being filled with all unrighteousness, everything in your life looks unrighteous. Fornication, that's any sexual behavior outside of the bond of marriage between a man and a woman. That's what it is. And So again, a reprobate mind will drive us to fornication. That includes your porn habit. That includes lusting after other men or lusting after other women. It's anything that if you are married would make you desire to step out of your marriage. It's anything that would make you, if you're not married, to fornicate outside the context in which God has defined sexuality. It's marriage. That's fornication. It comes from a reprobate mind. Wickedness. Covetousness. In other words, covetousness is wanting what God hasn't given you. Colossians 3 tells us that covetousness is idolatry. Maliciousness. In other words, you want to get back, you want to get even with people. Man, somebody wronged you, and man, oh, I'm going to premeditate and just get them. Okay, that's maliciousness. Full of envy. That's just being jealous of other people. Murder. You say, thank God I hadn't killed anybody this week. Okay. (laughs) Well, have you hated your brother in Christ? Because God says... Jesus says, man, if you hate your brother, you've, you've committed that in your heart already. It comes from a reprobate mind, right? And then it gets into some verbal things like, uh, well, malignity is just like a bad disposition. Whisperers, backbiters, you know, those things that are gossip, those things that are spoken that you never say out loud, but boy, you say them. You never say it to the preacher, you just say it behind his back, Right? You never say it about your brother or sister in Christ to their face. You just tell your friend. Probably in the form of prayer requests because you're spiritual, right? Whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, and you turn your nose up at things, proud, boasters. You know, pride was the sin of the devil. Pride is what elevates us as the creature to the position of creator. Inventor of evils, thi- inventors of evil things. You know, however that shakes out. Maybe some of you can't design or make anything, but many of these people, people in this world can. There are plenty of inventions that are evil and against God. Probably television and the internet, but I'll park it there, anyways. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Probably not. Disobedient to parents. That's interesting. That when you're studying a list of vile things or reprobate mind disobedient to parents shows up now if you live at home or you know if you're under the age of whatever i mean you're still under the authority of a, of a parent system right a mother a father that that parental system is a system of authority that mirrors god's authority in your life and and so to rebel against your parents now listen if you're 40 years old and you have your own family and you have your own children well you're a grown man you're not a child you're a man. Uh, So mama, back off your 40-year-old son or 40 however many years old. Okay. But if you're still living at home under that authority, well, you have a responsibility to submit to that because God put that authority in your life. It mirrors and models his authority and to rebel against that authority is to rebel against his authority. It ultimately gives you a reprobate mind because you're rebelling against all authority. All authority comes from God Man, let's go. Look, without natural affection, everything is now perversion. Nothing natural in your thought life or in your affections. Man, I've, I can't even tell you. I've talked to people that have gotten to this point in their mind. Their mind was so reprobate, they could not go to Walmart without thinking vile, illicit thoughts about every person that walked by them. I'm just telling you, your mind can get corrupted, implacable, unmerciful. And then verse 32, the Bible says, who knowing the judgment of God, they had a knowledge of God. They had knowledge of God's creation, God's revelation. They had God's specific truth. They rejected all that, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. So here's the key principle. Look, when God gives a man over to himself, the result is a life full of sin. The result is a life full of sin. When a man is given over to himself, The result is a life full of sin. God's threefold response to an unrepentant man is to deliver his body, his soul, and his spirit over to himself. And listen, I think it's three because it's God that's doing it. Because God made you. God didn't initiate any of these things. This is the result of a man's rejection of God. Now, again, man, we, we get through a passage like this, and you say, man, thank God that's not me. Thank, thank God that's not me. Uh, you preach it hard. Pre- okay, look, all right, number one, uh, if you think like that, number one, you need to realize, my wife says this all the time, there's not a sin in this Bible that you're not, you're not capable of committing. So the minute you begin to reject God's truth in your life, you have begun the slippery slope down this road. Well, I'll never become a homosexual. I'll never defile my body. I'll never step out of my wife. I'll never become a porn addict. You keep thinking that in your pride, and you reject God's word and see what happens. We all have a sin nature. This paints the picture of our depravity. We are broken people. The second thing I would ask you is this. you know That last verse says that there are some people that have pleasure in them that do those things. I don't know what's on your TV at your house or what movies you watch and I'm not trying to get legalistic but do you find pleasure in these things? We call it entertainment in our culture. You, you see, if you, if you read that list you know, when you read it from the Bible you think, that's pretty weighty. You know, God's not pleased with any of these things. And we'll, we'll close our Bible then and we'll We'll turn it on, and it's the same things we just read, but it's coming out of a 55-inch flat screen, or you know, a 80-foot screen at the Monaco or whatever. Okay, we we pleasure in those things that are are yet a, and I'm, again, I'm not trying to get legalistic, but I am just I'm just trying to ask the question, man. Do these things bring you pleasure? Do you dabble in in the pleasure of unrighteousness of humanity? In it's rebellion against God. That's my point. Instead of having a broken heart for those that are walking in this life, that are choosing these things, instead of loving them enough to share them the gospel of Jesus Christ that can save them from their sin, and to teach them and disciple them and bring them to a point of understanding, would you rather just sit back and have pleasure in their acquaintance? Because they're doing stuff you would never do, but you get some kind of weird enjoyment. Out of hearing their stories and watching them do it. Hmm. Secondly, I want I want to close with this statement in, in 1 Corinthians chapter six, and I've said it over and over. Look, the gospel has the power to transform any life. That includes anybody that's in that list of Romans chapter one. That includes any person that's caught up in homosexuality, any person that's caught up in fornication, it, it's caught up in despising God, hating God. Listen, any. Person, any sinful person can find restoration and reconciliation at the foot of the cross. The gospel has the power to transform any life. Now, Paul wrote the epistle to the the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and he says this Know ye not that the, the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And we would say, man, yeah, amen. And then verse 11 says, and such were some of you. Such were some of you dishonoring your bodies. And you came to Jesus, and he saved you. Such were some of you given up to vile affection. And you came to Jesus, and he saved you. Such were some of you given over to a reprobate mind. Such were some of you as fornicators and idolaters. Such were some of you as adulterers. Such were some of you as effeminate and abusers of mankind. Such were some of you as thieves and covetousness and drunkards. Such were some of you as revilers and extortioners. And Paul says, such were some of you, and such was me. And the only saving grace is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. In other words, at Corinth, there were people like that. And Paul owed them the gospel. And God does what he does. He transforms lives. So I don't know where you land this morning, we're over, we're out of time, but, but let me just close with these thoughts. Man, listen, when you, when you look at our country, when you look at the world, when you look at some of these issues that are, that are certainly making headlines on all your social media outlets every day, one, I wanna challenge you to have a biblical mindset. I want you to have a biblical mindset. Uh, these things aren't just legislated in or, you know, civil rights issues. They're a creator and a creature issue. They're a biblical issue. Everything's going to funnel through that book. The second thing I would ask you to do is to love people. Is to love people. You know, everything dies at the cross, man. Our nationality, our gender, our race, our preferences, our affections, our Our socioeconomic status. We talked about this in Sunday school. Man, the the cross levels the playing field for all of us. There should never be a day where any person that has any kind of background or any sin can't walk into this place and hear God's word and be received as such, as another human, just like us. And so as a church, we need to have that kind of mindset and we need to love people where they are. And I don't, I don't say that we condone behavior, man, you know, understand biblically, this is how we get there. But we take a truth, we take a stance on God's truth, and we love people enough to teach them and to tell them and to and to and to bring them to an understanding of who the God of the Bible really is. The one thing that walks people out of Romans chapter one is just repentance. If you'll turn back to God, if you'll return back to Him, if you'll if you'll open your mind to His Word, if you'll receive His truth, if you'll stop changing it and start receiving it and submit to it and humble yourself, God can transform. Any life, he can transform any life. All right, let's. Uh, we are way over, so let me pray. I'm going to dismiss us, and uh, feel free to fellowship for a few.